Welcome to Question Period. Happy New Year. And for all of us, more importantly, happy election year. I'm Evan Solomon. And today we have a special edition of Question Period, Paths to Success for Election 2019. What is the path to success for each political party? Can Prime Minister Justin Trudeau win another majority mandate? Can Andrew Scheer become the next Prime Minister of Canada? Can NDP leader Jagmeet Singh win his by-election and survive even to fight in the next general election? What issues will dominate the campaign? Today, we take a deep dive into the big political issues, strategies, and the game plans ahead of this year's election. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. The campaign will be nasty or good? Friendly or nasty or what? Uh, what is it? Is it going to be like the U.S.? From my perspective, it's going to be a very positive campaign. Uh, the others will make their decisions about how they run their campaigns. So the countdown is on to October 21st. The war rooms for all the parties are busily mapping out the paths to election success. What issues will dominate the campaign? This is the battle over the ballot box question. Framing that is key to victory. Will it be the economy, the carbon tax, borders, trust? Then there's the regional breakdown. Where are the seats that need to be won? Now that requires slicing and dicing the politics population, you know, into little categories of age, income, gender, you name it, you're on a chart somewhere targeted by some policy. Then there's the X factor, something no one can predict that will shape the next election. A trade war with China, a sudden rise of the Greens, Maxine Bernier's party takes off a scandal. As they say, events, dear boy, events knock governments off course. With all that in mind, let's bring in the scrum. Tonda McCharles is a reporter with the Toronto Star. Bob Fife is the Globe and Mail's Ottawa bureau chief. Craig Oliver is CTV's chief political commentator. And our special guest is the CEO of Nanos Research, Nick Nanos. First of all, Happy New Year. Same happy to you. Happy New Year. Nice beard. Back. Thank the, you. The I've beard? got the uh, playoff beard going on, as it were. Uh, it will not last, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, let's start with paths to success. Uh, and Nick, I'll begin with you. Uh, and we'll start with the government as we move through. Uh, the path to success for Justin Trudeau to renew his mandate. Realistically, he's got to watch out for a political body slam against the economy. Because if there are jitters about the economy, if people are worried about their jobs, if things go south, it will be bad news for the Liberals. So their path to success has to do with managing the economy and anything that connects to dollars and jobs. But what the Liberals can do is exactly what Stephen Harper did at a time of crisis. They can say, this is no time to be shaking up the government. We are offering safe hands in troubled waters. Stick with us. That's always an argument that, that can work in these circumstances. Oh, my goodness. We're going back to strong, stable. Strong. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's true. Oh, you mean the <laughs> land is strong. That's 1972. That, was, that didn't yeah. work too okay, well. Okay, yeah. what is his path to victory? If you're Justin Trudeau, you're looking at this, you know, government that leaves scars. What's I, I, his path I, to I think I think Nick's right. The economy is a huge shaper of votes. Um, and if people feel rattled by the uncertainty, that'll rattle their choice, the choice in their mind. But I also think really the Trudeau government has to stop with the um, some of the sort of smug, we're holier than thou advice they tend to give not just the world but Canadians on a whole range of issues. Um, you know, some people call it the virtue signaling. I, I, I think it's more an attitude that we know best. And I think maybe they could share the decision making power among Canadians and trust that they have the ability to make some decisions for themselves. So I just think that's an arrogance that they need to guard against. Okay, Bob, their to okay, well, look, everybody agree that the, if the economy stays strong, they are probably are going to win. They also uh, need to keep the NDP weak. Uh, as long as the NDP is weak, 
the liberals, I do not believe, will, will lose an election campaign because the, they need to be up for the split for the Conservatives to be able to come up and, and beat them. And they need to define uh, Andrew Scheer, which they are going to do. They will define him in a way that will try to scare people to say, this guy is too far right wing, he's inexperienced. Does he's, it work? I mean, he's not Stephen Harper. He doesn't look tall. Well, we don't know. Like I don't know yet. It's too early. They ha they ha they're only in the early stages of trying to define them, but it's but they are going to try to define them as a Trump, a little a little a Stephen Harper or a Donald Trump light, uh, and that is going to be a, a defining thing for the conservatives to be able to try All to right. do. And actually, with. what we're, what I would add to that, Bob, is the Ford factor. I think we're going to see yes. pictures mm -hmm. of Sheer right. and Ford, and then for the Liberals to play dog whistle politics, right? They're going to talk about Ford rolling back Quebec, uh, Quebec and French language in Ontario, cutting back on other issues, and that his buddy, Andrew Scheer, they will have as a boogeyman saying that he will try to do the same thing and play that type of politics that they say they abhor, but they're going to, I believe that they're probably going to play that because survival is going to try to okay, kick in. Okay, so Andrew Scheer, he's got a path to victory. Craig, I'll start with you on that. Um, he, he has been highlighting the carbon tax. He's been highlighting trust issues and deficit issues. What's his path to victory? Well, for one thing, he has to convince Canadians that he has a plan for, car, for replacing carbon tax. In other words, he's got a climate plan of some kind that will work. Canadians have to be convinced of that. Climate is going to be, this time, I believe, perhaps the first time in a federal election, uh, a major issue in this campaign. He has to do that. More than that, I think he has, and we don't know how well he's going to perform. He's never run a campaign before as leader. He's got to try to rattle Trudeau. He has to try to hammer Trudeau hard and try to see a Trudeau coming out that Canadians don't like. If he can manage to do that, that's a big win for him. He has to tread lightly when it comes to touching some of the hot-button issues like immigration and to make sure that neither he nor his caucus and their declarations on immigration come across or open them up to accusations of being anti-immigrant. That is going to be trouble in those big urban uh, environments. But that's also, I think, an opportunity because I think he's going to take these constellation of issues that connect to the economy like a carbon tax in the environment, like immigration and refugees, and try to cast them as an economic and not a social one right. to kind of say, you know what, you know, this puts the economy at risk, these types of policies, and to play that type of card in order to shake loose some of those liberals that they had Where in the Where does he shake loose? Week. Just I'm, I'm intrigued, because he, he's hoping to make gains in Quebec, shake loose voters both in yeah. in the Maritimes and in Ontario. Well, I don't, think Quebec's, I don't think Quebec's on for the Conservatives, and the Maritimes they're going to pick up. In Ontario, yes, and I think they also have to tap into some liberal voters, to Tonda's phrase, who do not like to be lectured at by the Liberal government mm -hmm. to kind of shake those people loose. Craig, let me just start with you. Is there any path to victory for the NDP? Well, not if he can't win that riding in... Uh, Burnaby South. Burnaby South. If he can't win the riding, uh, I, I think that... And, and all of the polls are showing, many are showing he's running last. None of them are showing that he's running strong. Uh, if, if he can't, uh, I think if he doesn't resign as a result of losing it, uh, he'll be uh, face a caucus revolt. I think they're going to go back to the pre-Jack Layton days where they had two successive leaders who were very weak. They had yeah. uh, seats of around 10, 11 seats. They are, they, that's where they're, that's their, their, that's where they're stuck. I don't see a, a way out of this until after the election campaign 
because even if they get a new leader, even if Singh goes and Nathan Cullen or, or Charlie Angus jumps in, that's very, very difficult for yeah. them to be able to come up uh, uh, in a, such a short period this, of time. This may sound harsh, but right now they are built for defeat. Right. No one is going to stack up to Tom McCare or Jack Layton. Sorry, that's just basically right. the way it is. And it doesn't matter whether Jagmeet Singh is the leader or if someone else is right. the leader. Okay, let me take a break. We were doing paths to victory. We're supposed to wait for obstacles, but when we got to the NDP, we moved right to obstacles. So it looks like a tough path there. Prediction, but you never know. Campaigns matter. But what are the biggest obstacles to success for each party? What do they need to do to shore up support? Uh, is it the carbon tax? Strength and weakness, what about that? The scrums return to weigh in on obstacles to power next, right here on Question Period. Stay with us. Unfortunately, welcome to the year of the carbon tax. Today, Justin Trudeau's signature tax hike begins to take effect. So as you can see, Andrew Scheer is all in on his anti-carbon tax campaign. That There he is. He believes that the carbon tax that came into effect January 1st, except for energy companies that will hit in April, will begin an anti-carbon wave that will sweep Mr. Trudeau out of government. But get this, after Canadians file their tax returns in April, guess what? The government is going to mail checks to families in provinces like Ontario, New Brunswick, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan and PEI between 250 and 600 bucks for a family of four. Raising the question, is this a weakness or a strength for the Liberals? What are the other possible obstacles to election success? The scrum is back. Tonda McCharles is here. Bob Fife is here, Craig Oliver is back, and so is our special guest, uh, Nick Nance. Let's just start, Nick, with the, uh, the carbon tax that has now come into effect. Um, is this a strength or weakness for the Liberals? Strength or weakness for Andrew Scheer? Well, it's actually, it's both for the Liberals, because we should not confuse what could be good public policy with good politics. And, you know, the thing is, is that people elected the Liberals, and they want, liked the fact that the Liberals promised to help the middle class. And they haven't connected how this helps the middle class. And you know what, Evan, you talked about the checks. Canadians are not stupid. They will take the checks. Votes will not go with those checks. Mm -hmm. Right? So the Liberals should not think that sending out millions of checks to Canadians will help them manage this issue. It will go out the door. Canadians will take it. But they will still judge the Liberals. Craig, do you believe that? Not necessarily. No, I don't think I do, although I defer to a man who uh, checks maybe more broadly than I do. I think if I get a check for 600 bucks, and most families do, they're going to say, I'm not all that upset about the carbon tax. It's not hurting me. Uh, and in fact, I Reality can go out check. and buy... You're, you're uh, in Ontario. will be more uh, like 300. That's, that's, yeah, <laughs> right. Okay. There are five provinces uh, who aren't going to cooperate right. with this. Uh, and they can go out and buy an electric car and say, well, will they save even more that way? I, uh, you know, I think a, a check in the mail is not a bad way to wonder whether I might want to vote for somebody who sent it to is me. Is this for Andrew Scheer, Tonda? He's really, he's gone all in and he's, mm -hmm. and look, Jason Kenney may win a provincial election in yep. Alberta and he's going to have a coalition of a lot of people, pro, uh, premiers who don't like this. Does this become a populist movement 
uh, that, that Andrew Scheer can ride to power. I don't know if it becomes a populist movement, but let's not forget, we've seen a little bit of this play run in an election before when Stephen Harper ran against Stefan Dion's green shift yeah. and played it all as a carbon tax, as a tax on everything. So that argument has had political potency in the past, and, and Scheer will and has been for months hammering uh, that theme. But I think that it works against Scheer if he doesn't have a credible alternative to put forward to say to voters, here's how I am going to tackle it. Uh, here's how I'm going to tackle climate change. He's not going to come across as a denier. Here's how I'm going to tackle this issue of our, of our time. And by the way, I believe it's like to Nick's point, mostly an economic issue. Here's how we're going to tackle this. Uh, Bob, Bob, just last point on that. I, I think Doug Ford's does something, uh, if you're against it, tactically pretty smart. He's connected it to the price of gas. Now, I know, yeah. I know that's not necessarily uh, tied identically, although it is directly in some ways. But, Bob, the price of gas is one easy message to Boys sell. Ever. It's a yeah. real easy message. The carbon price tax rebate system is pretty complicated. Does that become a well, strength Well, look, I mean, share? as long as oil prices stay down, I, it's not going to hurt the Liberals very much. And they are getting money in their pockets. And I do think Canadians, on, on, on the whole, want to deal want the governments to deal with the environment. And to Tonda's point, uh, the Liberals are the only ones that are saying, at least we have an environmental po climate change policy. What do the Conservatives have? Now they say they're going to, and let's wait and see what the judgment call is on that. Uh, Nick, is the, uh, the pipe, let's just link to this as the pipeline, strength or weakness for Trudeau in terms of obstacle uh, to power, or is that a strength for Andrew Scheer? Or maybe even Jagmeet Singh it's in a, British it's Columbia. Going be, it's going to be a big vulnerability for the Liberals because they need to win in the province of Quebec. The pipeline is not popular in the province of Quebec. And if the Liberals don't pick up those NDP seats, they're not going to form a majority government. Period. Full stop. One of the Liberals' problems, and this ties to the pipeline, is that the shaky coalition they put together between uh, energy, economic developers, and environmentalists right. has really come apart. Uh, and I think that the, the Liberals are depending on that failed NDP vote to come to them. But I wonder if a lot of NDPers who are strong on climate uh, go to the Green Party. I think this may be the first election in which we see a number I, of I Greens getting yeah, elected. I agree with you. Yeah, more, I think I agree. more Greens getting elected. Who knows how many, but I'm not sure it's going to be a big breakthrough. There's pipelines. Uh, Tonda, what about border issue? Again, strength or weakness? Uh, we've seen the irregular, illegal crossers. Even the term itself has got political resonance mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. Andrew Sheary wants to make that a big issue. It's been a big issue in Europe. It's been a big issue in the United States. It's become a big issue here. I think that a lot of Canadians still see immigration writ large as a good thing, but, and Nick will know this from his polling, Canadian immigrant families and households as much or more than anyone don't like when people break the rules yeah. to get into Canada. So that's the way that that plays as a political issue for the Conservatives. Can I throw out a different obstacle that I think for the Liberals are? It's non-policy related, but I think the Prime Minister is far overexposed. He's mm -hmm. out all the time, chattering away, saying very little. And to your earlier point, this moralizing that you hear from the Liberals, I think it begins to grate on people like that liberal, liberal arrogance, the moralizing, and the, and the overexposure of the Prime Minister. I don't know whether the Conservatives can capitalize on that, whether Scheer can capitalize on that. I'd be interested to yeah. see if you've even done any polling on that, but you've got a gut feeling that, that that's something that people just, don't like. Let me just follow up quickly on what Bob said. This reminds me, Bob, of 1972, a campaign yeah. I covered uh, in which a jaded, cynical, 
uh, Pierre Trudeau government almost got defeated by a guy Stanfield. who Stanfield, who had no charisma whatsoever, ran a terrible campaign, and we were all stunned that Trudeau, Pierre, was reduced to a one-seat yeah, majority. The Liberals yeah. have to go back and remember one of the reasons why they won the last election is because expectations were so low, they basically stepped over them and did very well. Now, expectations are extremely high, right? People see the, the Prime Minister as a strong performer on the hustings. They see the Liberals as the government and well-organized. And if they don't meet those expectations, I think there could be a significant uh, negative spiral in support for part, them. Part of it is trust. All, all these issues, pipelines, um, border issues, they, they come in, Nick, in, in a trust issue. They're proxy issues. Deficits are one thing. I mean, for Justin Trudeau, he's got a record now that people can say, you broke the promise on election reform. You broke the promise on deficits. He, he thought deficits didn't matter the last time. I wonder, does the trust issue and embodied in things like the broken promise on deficits, does that stuff become an obstacle to power? Well, uh, this might sound odd, but people don't expect politicians to keep their promises. <laughs> but no, so when they so when the liberals don't deliver on promises, they're no different from any other uh, any other government that people have seen, and it's inside oh baseball. God, that's that's all people. Early no, that's all, no, cynicism that's in twenty nineteen. What to know is what are you doing for me, and what are you doing to make Canada <sighs> a better is, place? Wait, I is, think people expect trust and humility from their politicians too, and I'm not sure that the liberals have have ended up delivering that. And 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 I think this is where there are some worrying signs for the liberals in some of the recent numbers you've been putting up uh, showing that cons Canadians' uh, level of approval of Justin Trudeau is about the same yeah. place as, as Stephen Harper in the last year of his majority government. But that was after... The, and that, this is important. That was, that was after, after 10, ten years, years. two minority <laughs> governments time. and majority government. So for Justin Trudeau, who steamrolled over the Conservatives in the last election, to be there uh, after... Only yeah. three three years of a majority government, I think, has got to be concerning. For are, them. are we all saying here, come back, Stephen Harper, all is forgiven, or what? <laughs> well, we, what we are saying is we've got to take a break. But I like that Craig <laughs> reminded us back in 72, you remember, Trudeau mania in 68. I think he won by, was it one or two seats, that mm -hmm. Stanfield election, just incredible. Mm -hmm. Trudeau mania burned off in uh, four years then. Uh, Nick Nannis will join us a little later in the program where we talk about wild cards. But coming up next, China, Saudi Arabia, the United States, Canada is staring down some of the world's most powerful nations. And the former National Security Advisor, both to Justin Trudeau and Stephen Harper, Dick Fadden, will join us to talk about that as the world goes to chaos. What will the new year bring? Stay right here with Question Period. Well, a trade war between the U.S. and China may yank the world into a nasty recession. Real fears about that. But is that the only offshore threat that could take over this coming election year. What about our own deteriorating relationship with China? And what about the U.S., where now the Democrats are threatening to cancel the new NAFTA deal and don't discount meddling in the upcoming federal election? To talk about the foreign affairs factor in the election year, let's bring back the scrum. Tonda McCharles and Bob Pfeiffer here. Craig Oliver is back, of course. And our special guest for this round is the former CSIS director, former national security advisor to both Mr. Trudeau and Harper, Dick Fadden. All right, get to have the scrum back. And Dick Fadden, great to see you. Good to see you. Uh, China, let's just start with China. 
and Canada's particularly deteriorating relationship all centered around the telecom company Huawei and the detainment of their senior executive that, that happened uh, late last year. Um, what lingering effects does this have? We're caught again between the United States and China. Not a great place to be. I think the government has to make a decision soon on, uh, on Huawei, if only because we have to make the bloody point. Can I say that on TV? You can say it. The bloody point that we're going to be the weakest link in the chain in the West amongst the five eyes, and that's not a desirable place for us to be. On the other hand, we have the Huawei executive who's being uh, kept in Canada. I don't think the Chinese are going to take very kindly to this. Uh, there have been a whole series of reports over the last little while about how China gets very irritated and takes very concrete action against yeah. countries that uh, don't meet with its approbation. I think the real issue here is not these particular issues, but that the West in general, Canada in particular, has not adjusted to this new operating environment. And we better do it soon because I don't think it's going to go back to the old ways. I think the, I think the Canadian government, the Liberal government, has had a very brutal and hard lesson on China since they came mm. to power. They came to power hoping to negotiate a free trade agreement, hoping to negotiate an extradition treaty, hoping to sort of expand reach into China as a counter to the U.S. And they've had a very brutal run up against reality that China has power beyond what it imagined, but what Trudeau imagined, and and is prepared to exercise exercise at hard power, right? And so now we're seeing at the end of the last year, we saw the effect on Canadians and, 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 and Canadian, not just individuals, but writ large businesses who were wondering, where's this all going? They, the government at the end of uh, last year was talking about sectoral agreements on trade yeah. still. All of that has gone by the wayside but, now. You know, they, the problem is the government does not have a discernible China policy. We need to see this government develop a policy that stands firm about not allowing them to have the kind of activities that they're doing in this country and, and stand with the United States and our allies against China well, well, the way it's operating in the world. Correct. We did have a China policy, uh, but I'm afraid uh, the government has been forced to make decisions it didn't want to make. That, that's the problem they have. Mr. Trudeau had this naive hope that he could have some kind of yeah, but economic... policy naivety is not a policy. That, well, no, but their policy was to develop China uh, as an economic partner of Canada. We now see how impossible that is, uh, and they are coming to that realization, so I why think. Is that, why uh, is it maybe a free... I understand why a free trade deal is, is difficult, but isn't diversification, is isn't diversification with China essential, whether you're a conservative or whether you're liberal? Isn't that just no, smart? I think China has ruined its reputation... Uh, as an acceptable uh, policy uh, partner in terms of economics. If every time they have a fight with an economic uh, opponent, uh, they put uh, some of their citizens in jail. They have lost tremendous credibility in the, uh, internationally. Their, their problem is they're always saying, we'll play by the rules when it's in our interests, but we're not going to play by them uh, when oh, it's not. Actually, I, I just think it's naive to think that we can shut the door on China altogether, right. and I do think it's naive to think that there can be no engagement with but China. But nobody's arguing that. No, okay, no, no. well, that's just Absolutely so we're clear. Yeah. But, to Craig's point... While we have to maintain relationships with China, it is a significant mistake, in my view, for Canada to put too many eggs in one basket. And we started off with Mr. Trudeau and his government fixating on China. We're still somewhat fixated on it. We have to diversify. I mean, it complicates Minister Carr's job. But we, in an economic sense, we have to diversify. We have to stop thinking that China is going to solve 
all of our economic and trade problems. Okay, uh, so let's say in the new year, Dick, you're suggesting that they absolutely ban Huawei from participating in the fifth generation, the 5G mm -hmm. rather, the next generation of uh, wireless. That'll be interesting to see. Let me turn to Saudi Arabia because that's another big policy. Bob, let me start with you on that. Um, already we've got some sanctions against you know, 17 members of the Saudis. Uh, we're still selling light armored vehicles there. It's an election year. Uh, there's jobs at stake in London, Ontario, hundreds and hundreds of them, uh, $15 billion contract. What is the government, does this become an election issue? What do they do on this well, file? Well, look, if they cancel that contract, they're going to lose their seats in the London, Ontario area for sure. Uh, I don't think there, there's a, a moral argument for why are we selling arms to Saudi Arabia for sure, but we've now, we, we've, we've agreed to put morality aside to sell them the arms, and we all know that if you cancel that, they're just going to buy the arms from one of our allies, the Germans or the Americans. So we have to be very careful about that. Nobody's going to be hurt except all of those people dependent on those jobs. I think we forget it for the moment, uh, and I think that's the way the government is going, dragging its feet and not canceling that contract and just avoiding having any other sort of military connections with that country, with Saudi Arabia, when they can avoid it, and they can avoid it a lot. But nobody's going to be hurt except the people that need that work. Although and so I think we should st keep sending the damn things to the... Uh, to the Mr. Soviet. Trudeau did tell me that they are looking for ways to end it. I don't know if they will, but he's been floating that. But it seems to me that the most fundamental question that Canada should ask itself, do we wish to export arms anyway, anywhere? If you're exporting arms, be it to Saudi Arabia or anywhere else, they are going to be used. That is why they are being purchased. So if we're going to make a policy decision that we don't want to export to Saudi Arabia, why shouldn't it apply to any number of other Canadian companies that are exporting arms? I think the other consideration that hasn't been raised here in terms of Canada's dealing with Saudi Arabia is twofold. First of all, Saudi is a huge Western ally in the Middle East in some regards in pushing back against Iran's influence. And secondly, Canada has citizens uh, and interests yeah. in protecting human rights in Saudi Arabia, right? And so that's a big factor weighing into how Canada deals with Saudi Arabia. Uh, okay, I, I want to get to meddling in the election because you're here and you have a special insight into that. Yeah. We're having a federal election. It's been the dominant story in the U.S., right? Russia's alleged meddling in that election. How concerned, Dick Fadden, are you that our election will be subject to some kind of foreign influence meddling? I think we should be as concerned as anybody else in the West. It's not just the United States, although the story there has been much hotter. The French and the British and the Germans have all said they've seen meddling in their elections. I can see no rationale for concluding that we will not be the subject of meddling as well. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? And there's all sorts of meddling, you know, going from web website modifications to paying people off to everything else. I don't think that the reports that was issued by the government by CSEC is, is comprehensive enough. Uh, I'm not sure the legislation that we have in place deals with all of this. But it goes to the issue again of fake news. This is a different version of fake news, and we haven't come to grips with it yet. And Dick, again, we're just about to take a break. Your, on the foreign policy file, your biggest flag, red flag for Dick Fadden in 2019, what are you looking for? I think it's going to be how it's going to go with China. And I think one of the issues with China is we, don't, we haven't developed a comprehensive policy encompassing trade and economics, strategic, right. uh, and security. We can, no government can deal with China without combining all of the three and coming up with a comprehensive policy. That's, I think, Craig, where they've failed to act in the past. They need a comprehensive policy with China, which right. involves involvement.
<laughs> which involves involvement. Mm. All right, uh, Dick Fadden, thank you for joining us. Coming up, the Scrum will stay here. 2018 was the worst year for the stock market since 2008, if you can believe it. It was all over the place. Is Canada heading for another recession? What are the biggest economic threats to the country? How do they play out politically? The Scrum returns with the former Canadian ambassador to the United States, Derek Bernie. Stay right here with Question Period. Well, there's a golden rule in politics. When the economy is good, take credit for it. And when the economy is bad, blame someone else. And right now, there's both plenty of praise and plenty of blame to go around. Unemployment's at the lowest levels in 40 years, but in Calgary, it's double the national average. Household debt, way too high. Markets are acting like, well, the northern gannet bird, plunge diving down into the dark depths, then rising up and soaring away. Who knows what's going to happen? What is the biggest economic challenge facing the country in the election year? Let's bring back the scrum who are stunned by my bird metaphor. Tonda McCharles and Bob Pfeiffer here. Craig Oliver's here, and our special guest, who of course understood all those ornithological references, the Canadian ambassador to the United States, former ambassador, uh, Derek Bernie. Mr. Bernie, good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Uh, biggest lose the beard, eh? Yeah, I, well, I figured the advice was coming quickly. Is that my biggest challenge right now? Yeah, That'll be done. That's my challenge, looking at you. Okay, what's the biggest challenge when you look at the uh, economy for the politicians in an election year? Well, uncertainty. I mean, there's so much volatility in the world and volatility in our southern border that I have to think uncertainty is the, is the biggest challenge we face. I think beyond that, it's our diminishing competitiveness with the United States that is a much more serious problem than I think uh, the government realizes. Now how do they address it politically? Well, I can't, you know, there's not much they can do in the short term. But, but you know, if you look at regulations only, don't talk about tax. Just look at regulations. There are a lot of people who believe that the U.S. economy is getting a bounce because of the changes to regulations more than from the changes to tax. That's something we could do federally and provincially in Canada that would add a little bit of zip to an economy that's say, looking for it. I want to say twas ever thus. Like both those problems are things that have been perennial problems. But one of the things that the government has said it will do to address those the, that issue. Uh, economically is address skills training in the next budget huge piece around that and um, I, I but I agree it's funny I had identified unpredictability as the sort of big challenge for for the upcoming year and I think largely that rests be, smack in the laps of the US China relationship I think the winner of this next election will be the party which can convince Canadians that it is the most competent, the most ready mm -hmm. to manage all of these problems we're talking about, especially the economy. As even the deputy director of the IMF said the other day, we may be heading into an economic crisis as worse even than 19, uh, 20, uh, 2008. Uh, so the problems are out there. Recession may be upon us by the time of the election. Who can handle all of these problems best and who can, can convince Canadians that they are the best prepared to do it? Actually, I think, that's the, I think we're, the biggest threat is that we could be hitting into a very serious downturn, a very serious recession. You're seeing the stock market go up and down massive uh, daily. loss. Daily. You might say so. And, you know, the trade war with the United States and China is, is deeply serious. We have Brexit in the in, uh, UK. Um, we and we're st we're a little 
trading company uh, country stuck in the middle of this. Right. And if the economy goes down, uh, with all the debt that many Canadians have, and the Bank of Canada governor has been warning for a decade or so that people are carrying too much debt, we could be in a very okay. serious See, situation. Donald Trump thinks that tariffs are working. Well, they're not working. They're doing precisely what tariffs do. They choke economic growth. And that's what we're seeing between the United States and China. China's economy is softening. The American economy is stu still doing well, but there, there, are, there are a lot of uh, danger points so, on that. So, so let me chance these tariffs, by the way, may have brought China finally to come seriously to the table and make compromises which they should have made years ago. I don't it may disagree. force them to do that. I don't disagree. Okay. I don't let, disagree. Let, me, let me drill down some damage. of the, the yeah. political issues. Bob, let, let me start with you because this plays out on very, you know, Derek talks about regulations. For the Conservatives, they say there's too much regulation over pipelines. Mm -hmm. You can't get a pipeline built. They well, want to. They're right. <laughs> Okay, so is that is that an issue well, for I, Justin Trudeau? Does he yes, got to get, I mean, get the expansion of transit going? They're backpedal on legislation that's before the Senate now on environmental should. regulations. Right. And they're going to have to because basically the, the international uh, oil industry has said, forget it, we're not going to invest yeah, in Canada yeah. anymore because it's too difficult to put any money into the Canadian well, economy. Well, Canadians won't invest either. I mean, it's not just the foreigners. Okay, does Tana does he's got to get that Trans Mountain expansion built because there's politics there. Once he starts building it in an election year, the politics in BC get real wild there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sure, but but I I'm not sure that he gets it built. He may, if he's lucky, get past some court uh, obstacles in the next year and get shovels in the ground. That will at least be a signal on Trans Mountain. But um, I think I think the bigger question for the Liberals is not does he get one pipeline built? It's how does he manage? I mean, we're talking about who the, the question a ballot question being who's in the best position to right. manage the uncertainty. Right. We're talking about the steel and aluminum tariffs. Who wears that? Does Trudeau get um, credit for signing a deal, at, but blame for? keeping the tariffs in place probably but what does that what does that mean at the ballot box that what does that mean in terms of a voter's decision you know do you do you do you hand it over to Andrew Scheer thinking he would have done a better job of it that's I think a, a real question but that pipeline is more than just another pipeline the pipeline we're talking about the Trans Mountain has become a symbol for all of the no things question. that have gone wrong with the Trudeau government so if they go into an election and there's no sign that there's nothing close to bulldozers bulldozing uh, I think they've got a big problem in that regard. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, just back to the economy. You mentioned tariffs, Derek Bernie. Andrew Scheer has been saying Justin Trudeau is going to lose because he capitulated to the United States on that deal. And the biggest sign of capitulation is he signed a deal at the same time the steel and aluminum tariffs uh, are playing out. Does that become, in your view, a big election issue? It's an easy issue to fight on. It's easy to be opposed to the tariffs that are hurting jobs. The closure of the GM plant in Oshawa, that's a, that's a poke in the eye after the negotiation that nobody needed, especially a company that was bailed out by this government and the American government. I mean, that's a scandal as far as I'm concerned. Not just a scandal. I mean, they, they forgave that loan for over a billion dollars to GM. Bob, I mean, I wonder about that. You talk about plant closures like that have a way of becoming symbolic oh, issues yes. in this oh, election. Yes. Is that a problem That's for a Justin Trudeau? Yeah. yeah, look, I mean, right now the, the economy is strong. Um, job 
jobs are being created. So they, if barring a recession or a serious economic downturn, which I think is a real possibility uh, this year, the, the, the Liberals should be able to do all right uh, heading into the election campaign if the economy stays where it is. I mean, people tend to vote for a government where the economy is strong and there are oh, job Stephen creation. Stephen Harper lost. Uh, but there was a election. lot of issues. I understand, that. I understand that, but the election wasn't defined. I don't think any of us are smelling the kind of visceral, the or, uh, visceral anger that we felt about Harper or that we felt about Paul Martin or going back far enough about the Mulroney government. I, I, I just and don't I, sense I, and that. I think the Trudeau government gets some credit for the way they handled the NAFTA negotiations. We took a haircut, but it could have been a lot worse. We could have lost our head. That's, that's, so that's right. the point I was trying to make yeah. earlier. So uh, uh, the politics of all of this, how does that play out next year, next October? Ten, ten months out from here, what are Canadians looking at? The, I still think the big factor, as we started out this discussion is the uncertainty unpredictability of the year ahead right and the mood of the mood of voters in october uncertainty can do a, a number of things it can make you want to cling to security uh, the, the mm -hmm. devil you know as opposed to the devil yeah. you don't it can also make you think well if the populist sort of uh, notions that people think are brewing out there take hold people may want to sort of burn the house down try something new well, people are going to look for stability sorry, i think people are going to look for stability in the fall you i mean we can't predict what October is yeah. going to look I know. like today. That's, I guess it's that's too what I'm difficult. trying to say. But I really think that people are going to be looking for stability, whether it comes mm -hmm. from the opposition or from the government. They're going to be looking for somebody who can steer the ship through the shoals. All right. Uh, I got to leave it there. Derek Bernie, great to see you, sir. I intend to run in the upcoming by-election here in Burnaby South. Well, let's face it, the future for NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is hazier than the clouds of pot smoke you see across the country these days, especially as he waits for the Prime Minister to call a by-election in Burnaby South in British Columbia. Can he win the seat and lead the NDP in the upcoming election, or will he need to throw in the towel? That's just one of the questions we're going to put to the scrum as they share their great political predictions for the wild card factors that might change the course of Canada's political future in 2019. So the scrum is back with their crystal balls. Tanya McCharles, Bob Fife, Craig Oliver, and our returning special guest pollster, Nick Nanos, the CEO of Nanos Research. All right, let's start, Mr. Nanos, with uh, Jagmeet Singh. Does he win Burnaby South? If he doesn't win, does he resign? I think he wins, but to win, he needs to make it a referendum on the Liberals. So he needs help from the Liberals. And if he doesn't win, I think that's that. He's done. Does he win, Bob? Yeah, I think he'll win. The NDP will put every are putting every bit of resources they can possibly put in there to help him win. I think he'll he'll he will win, but not by much. Uh, I think so. I think my prediction is he wins that as well. I What's have yours? no crystal ball, but I'm going to say that I think he wins, uh, in part because people will want to elect, give the man a chance out there. Uh, but uh, I don't think that that gains them anything. Okay, that's interesting, Craig. If he wins, mm -hmm. well, if he doesn't win, he's he, uh, Nick says well, he's got to go. I, I think he cannot win it. So uh, I'm I'm in very much a minority here. And if he doesn't win it, uh, I think he either resigns or he faces a caucus revolt. Does the Green Party, Bob Fife, win more seats in the next election, or is Elizabeth May the sole Green Party seat? I think the Greens are going to win a couple more seats in the next election campaign. You know, the people are concerned about the environment. The NDP are very, very weak. Elizabeth May um, is, a, is an attractive person. I, she's been around long enough uh, that I think 
people like her. And I think there is a possibility of a breakthrough for the, for the um, Green Party, uh, maybe three or four seats. It's possible. Maxine Bernier. Green Party could be a protest vote. So could, could Maxine Bernier. That's right. yes. well, well, Maxine Bernier's party could be a protest yes, vote. Yes, but I guess we'd have a happy protest vote and an angry protest vote. But the protest, <laughs> vote, for, but the protest vote for Maxine Bernier, uh, I don't think gains them any seats either. I don't think that he's actually, I'm not sure. I think Andrew Scheer is right. Andrew Scheer at the end of last year was saying he doesn't even think Maxine Bernier is going to win his own seat. Because I agree. The conservatives I don't, I don't are think they're going to win anything. Yeah, yeah, they're trying. Maxine Bernier runs it in a place called the yes. Boast. He's owned it for a long time. The conservatives have told all of us here that they believe yeah. they can knock out Maxime Bernier. The danger is not winning seats. The danger is how he will disrupt Andrew mm -hmm. Scheer throughout the campaign. Right. Yeah, and, and just, just on that, where does Quebec go on that? Because Andrew Scheer wants to win in Quebec, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Jug, Jugmeet Singh's got to hold on to those 16 seats. I don't, he's got a by-election for Tom Mulcair's seat. Doesn't look good for him there. Does Quebec, where does Quebec go in this election? Oh, it's hard to say, because it depends on whether they're cross-conflicted between pipelines or anxiety about a conservative politician that might be associated with Doug Ford that uh, has canceled French services. Alberta, uh, there will the first provincial election in the new year will be Alberta. Bob, five people are looking at uh, can Rachel Notley survive, or is this a Jason Kenny win? No chance. I mean, Jason's got this thing locked, and he has had it for over a year. Jason Kenney wins. What, Jason Kenney wins that election. If he election, wins, what happens? And what impact does it have federally? It, he becomes a, a huge thorn in the side of Justin Trudeau, but I don't think any bigger thorn in the side than Doug Ford. I think Doug Ford actually represents a more interesting constituency for the Liberals, and uh, I think he's a bigger uh, problem. I disagree with him. I think he becomes the Peter Lougheed of, of federal-provincial relations, the guy who will take on Trudeau very strongly and articulately and eloquently. This is what Ford can't. Ford, Ford is not an intellectual. He, he's not a very good politician. Uh, Jason Kenney is a very skilled politician. He's the kind of guy that can go right for, dress for Justin Trudeau's jugular. Jason Kennedy, Jason Kenney is going to be the new conservative power broker in Canada yeah. because right. he's the one connector to the Fords, to Shear, right? And across the country to the conservative movement, so both federally and provincially. Here? Is Mr. Shearer in charge? Is Kenny in yes. charge? Is, <laughs> he, is yeah. the Ontario Premier in charge? I, I think one possibility here is that Ford's popularity is going to be so far down by the time of this election that the uh, Liberals may gain by the brand having been hurt so badly, the conservative brand having been hurt by Ford. Okay, let, let's do, since we're doing wild card predictions and what could change the race, Nick, let me start with you. U.S. politics, Donald Trump. We don't focus on it too much because every day is, is craziness down there, <laughs> let alone his Twitter feed. People talk about whether he'll survive the term. A craziest prediction for U.S. politics and the blowback impact here in Canada. Here's a crazy prediction. My prediction is that Donald Trump will try to interfere in the Canadian election by making derogatory remarks about the prime minister. We know that they don't have a good relationship, and that's going to cut both ways. So, you know, think of Donald Trump, wild man. And the wild card. That would well, elect. That would elect Trudeau. That's a wild card. That is a very good. Okay, Poor Andrew Scheer. Trudeau never did better last year than after well, the G7 when right. Donald Trump slammed him as weak and dishonest, and Canadians yeah. so went, "Whoa, go. don't you know that's our guy?" Well, and Donald Trump did that during the Brexit debates. Boy, he was all over that. Bob, yeah. prediction from the U.S. about Donald Trump. Uh, I think there's a real possibility he will try to cancel NAFTA. I agree. And uh, that is going to set off a, a big fight uh, within um, within the U.S. Congress as well. I mean, I, you know, he's just so unpredictable, and I think it's he's 
very well could do that. I, I had that down as well as a, a, one, one, uh, the wild card for coming from Trump. But the beauty of it is, what does it matter? Because NAFTA, uh, right. the, the, the original NAFTA is right. still the backstop. Uh, wild card on Trump. Uh, okay, that uh, <laughs> Mueller reports, massive scandal, uh, particularly on every aspect of economic fraud you can imagine against not only Trump but his rel close relatives. Uh, and then the House and the Senate both vote to impeach him. Normally, uh, a president at that would, would, would have to resign and be gone. Trump says, I'm not leaving. This is a political process, right. this whole business uh, of impeachment, which it is. Yeah. It's not a court of law. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you absolutely Republican have to leave. senators have no backbone and they won't vote to impeach. Well, John we Trump. don't we don't know how bad this is going to be, but need, until we know that, this, we don't know. You, you and then he will tr Trump will uh, pardon his kids and his in-laws, who are all going to be charged <laughs> wow. too. Oh, I like that. And, and he's going to hang on to power if he has to. He'll threaten to bring in the army to help him. Wow. After all, he's the commander in chief. <laughs> right. Why not? Why right. not? Well, Clinton has been impeached, but he survived. All right. Wild, craziest X factor in the upcoming election. We've talked about a lot of the things that we all think are going to affect, you know, deficits, border issues, pipelines, economy. Uh, is there one X factor that you're looking for as a pollster that might determine what's happening here? The performance of the prime minister on the trail. He has a thin skin. You know, whenever he's been yes. criticized... He's kind of lost his temper a little bit. So look for an event or something where a voter triggers the prime minister to respond in a particular way and turns off voters. X factor. Uh, I think if, if there's a, a liberal scandal, spending scandal comes up, that can really hurt the liberals because it reminds everybody that they, they're not careful with Canadians' dollars. Right, scandal, and that one of those events. Tonda, what about you, X Factor I'm, that you're looking for? I'm kind of between these two, uh, but it, it amounts to a liberal misstep. I think it's it, liberal missteps are the X Factor for the next election. Otherwise, I think that they've got a pretty good shot at being reelected, whether it's a minority or a majority. And, don't know. And Mr. Oliver, you've seen a couple of elections. X Factor in the next uh, year. Uh, well, I, I'm afraid it could be asylum seekers, migration generally. Uh, if we start going down that road, it's, a, it's an ugly, unfortunate way to go. But it, ha it has tremendous power electorally uh, if, if the campaign ends up going that way. And it easily could, especially if Max Bernier wants to help it go that way. Well, it will be an exciting year. Lots of, there's by-elections to watch, there's provincial elections, and then, of course, in October, the big federal election. Thanks, all of you, for watching today, because it's going to be an incredible year in Canadian politics as we count down to October 21st. Lots of events will happen, and we will be here with you to track it all. So thanks, as always, to Tana McCharles, Bob Fife, Craig Oliver, and Nick Nanos. And what a gift we have to be able to debate so fiercely all these issues, but to do it so freely. We can all agree we are very lucky in this country to be able to do that. And the debate continues right here in seven short days. Take good care. Thanks for watching.